Hello and welcome to the Tech Bytes audio cast. My name's Tim and I'm from the Bytes Blogger Z and with me is Dr. Roy Shesterwitz from the Tech Rights website. It's Friday night and I'm gonna get sauce. I fought the troll and the troll lost. I fought the troll and the troll lost. He tried to boss me and was outbossed. I fought the troll and the troll lost. I fought the troll and the troll lost Underneath this creeper bridge Hoping goats will cross Quoting Ashcroft and Tom Ridge Hello and welcome. This is the TechBytes audio cast. It's uh, April 13th, 2014 and I'm back from a one-year hiatus or possibly more. Um, Thank you for downloading the audio cast and... I think we'll get on with the show. And Roy, I'd just like to say, it's very good to be back. It's good to have you back. I mean, uh, I spent the past almost one year just mostly doing shows with uh, Richard Stallman. I cannot really complain about it, but it was just a uh, way of keeping the, you know, the show going in some form. So it's been an interesting year, and uh, a lot changes. And uh, I'm currently uh, busy with my second novel, although I'm still waiting for my first one to be uh, released. And uh, yes, I, I've been very, very busy in my personal um, and in my professional life as well. So it's 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 thrown very quickly, and uh, I'm looking forward to get back in the swing of things. Possibly uh, next couple of months when things settle down, I'll be uh, I'll be back on the show. But uh, it's it's very strange because it doesn't seem like I've been away at all. And uh, apart from a different show of sorts, it's uh, it's pretty much the same as it always was. So with that in mind, I expect you've got. A, plethora of topics. You know, we, we really have an abundance of uh, topics to, to chat about. Uh, as a bit of background, we, you and I, we spoke uh, a week ago, uh, last weekend I think, or Friday, something like that, and we were going through the things we were going to cover, and uh, obviously some personal things, but that's not for the show, uh, family-related stuff, but um, the, the point that kind of occurred to me is there's so much stuff that's been happening. We never touched it. We never expressed an opinion on it. And a lot of things tend to be repetitive when you mention them time after time, but slight variations each time you bring up a, a topic. But in this case, uh, since we haven't done a proper show in a while, we've got uh, the UK policy, for instance, uh, pro open source policy and pro uh, ODF policy to speak about. We've got all sorts of news about Nokia. We've got things to do with YOLA. I don't think we ever covered YOLA properly on a show, Firefox OS. Uh, if we want to speak about Mozilla, I suppose we can also talk about all kinds of gossip and things that don't have much to do with technical issues. And, uh, you know, Amazon surveillance. Uh, we, we barely covered any of the NSA stuff. We did cover a lot of the WikiLeaks stuff when we started uh, the first season in 2010, but we haven't really mentioned much of the uh, GCHQ and NSA stuff. So I I think the next few shows will be quite interesting because there's plenty we can cover and we don't even have to plan a show. We can just bring up a topic and go go and flow with it. Yeah, it's, it's definitely been changed for me as well. Um, my desktop habits, uh, for want of a better word, have changed. I'm now virtually uh, completely in the cloud. Um, I'm currently running this uh, Mumble software through uh, Peppermint 4, and uh, that's nearly a virtually just a, a cut-down version of Ubuntu with a browser front-end shoved on it. Um, with my work that I've been doing recently, I've found that uh, my needs have migrated me 
by not by choice but uh, by necessity to the cloud um, so I've got a very different take or a, I say a very different take a slightly different take on a lot of subjects which had a strong opinions of so one thing we could start talking about, I mean, this is a this is not really an argument we had before, and you just mentioned it yes, yesterday, and I think also a week ago, some of your browsing habits and your uh, work habits when it comes to so-called cloud. And um, what I do realize is that this is not really a new thing for you. You were promoting uh, uh, various things like Peppermint even a few years back, and these are operating system that were built around what we now know to be things that are tightly integrated with PRISM and some of the programs of the surveillance uh, networks. So the one thing that I wonder if you've seen is Condoleezza Rice is now on the board of, uh, of uh, Dropbox and her role officially or at least based on the announcement is that she will be in charge of privacy. And still there yes yes so here you have a person that I, I don't think people quite realize played a significant role in promoting ICANN and back in 2005 and I recall this from memory was lobbying very hard to keep the control of the internet under the uh, US government's wing uh, so she has a lot to do with the surveillance, not just with the torture, but many people concentrate on the fact that she was pro-torture. Mm -hmm. And so, so I've been writing now for almost a year about how how Dropbox is ex exceptionally dangerous because of prison. Uh, but even before that, I was warning people in terms of service. Terms of service are basically changing. People have to accept them or be prevented from accessing their files. And this is not the only thing, of course, every, almost everything you can say about Dropbox, which doesn't use encryption, you can say about all the other services, like this G-Drive, and I think Microsoft calls it Live Driving. Why would people want to give away their files for supposed cheap storage and bandwidth? Yeah, it's a, it's a very good point, and like I say, my, my views probably on the cloud are slightly altered over the years, um, especially now. If you look at Google Drive, for example, that's what I'm currently using, and you look at the sort of prices, it works out at about, at the moment, I think, $199 for 100 uh, megabytes, uh, sorry, gigabytes, and that equates to about £1.40 currency. Um, for people like myself, and I'm, I'm using GDocs at the moment because it's very handy when I'm typing up my uh, my novel and doing an edit that um, other people have real-time access to that uh, document. It saves a lot of time uh, me being able to see the corrections that they want made, notes put into the uh, in margins for what they want to see or what they don't want to see. Um, so for that type of service, there is no real open source equivalent for me. Yes, sure, I could use it. Uh, uh, one of the uh, open source office suites, but I don't get direct access to Google Docs. Um, however, I will counteract that in a second with something else that I recently uh, have been trying out. Um, I've always had issues with storing data um, on the cloud in terms of people's privacy, and I wouldn't want to cheapen anybody's concerns about privacy. Of course, there are many people out there which who have completely silly notions about what the government is doing and not doing, and I'm not talking about the over the concerns that we get these days of 
government intrusion into people's data because that has happened and we've obviously seen that being reported in the press. Um, but there comes a time when, for example, like me, I've collected a massive uh, photographs. In fact, I can't remember the last time that we took something down to the Photoshop to print and get a physical copy of. I think a couple of pictures of the kids um, for the war, but that was about it. And um, so all my all my kids' pictures and all the family pictures all need to be stored somewhere. And I can store them on a CD-ROM or a DVD, whatever. And I can store them on a hard disk and SSD or, or whatever. Um, but the nice thing about having them on a Google Drive or something similar is the fact that I'm almost guaranteed that data is safe. And I know there's been issues with Google, and I know it's possible that the files can be deleted and corrupted and stolen and whatever. But I've got to look at it as risk assessment, and I've got to decide whether the risk of putting them on there counteracts the risk of not putting them on there. And for me, having those documents, and I have broken DVDs with all the uh, with all my pictures on before, and I have had the need to go to the Google Drive and use uh, that backup to get all my photos back again. And also the fact that I can access it anyway, I don't have to take a disk with me, I'd have to take a uh, USB stick or anything like that, which is another convenient tool. Um, I mean, I don't have any concerns about privacy because the type of stuff that I would use, I would put on there is the stuff that I don't particularly care if anybody in authority, in quotes, um, would look at because it's, for example, my novel is on there. Now, if they want to steal that and start releasing it under their own name, then fine, they'll have copyright issues from uh, my agent and my publisher, which is their concern, not mine. Um, so there's nothing really personal on there. And I would treat the internet, in any case, or any sort of public service, telephone or a mobile phone or whatever, as not personal anyway. You put your data, you send your voice out onto the, uh, onto the, into the ether. And I always expect that somebody else is listening that you don't want to. But the expectation doesn't make it okay. So no, it what you're no. saying is you don't have the expectation. Should but we it, not change the law then yeah. to say but, that you should have the expectation? But the problem is, and, and this comes back to GCHQ and the whole fiasco over the um, over the snooping of data. The problem is this: there's many people that are vocal. There's many campaigns. Um, I can, you know, I can say, and we we can all say this. Nothing will ever change. The people that are the ones that are wanting to intrude on this data are not people that would be put off, stopped, prevented by law. Um, the GCHQ example is great because from what I understand of the whole case, and I've read, I've followed quite a few um, writers that I trust, uh, trust very much on the subject about the whole um, snooping of data. Now, we've got laws, privacy laws in the UK, pretty much as the Americans and any other country have their own privacy laws, and I don't profess to know them. However, what our intelligence services can do, and we've seen this already, is that they can snoop by proxy. So, for example, the American um, secret service or whoever snoops yeah. can snoop on British data and then pass the information back to the British without yeah, breaking. But, but this is old stuff. This is echelon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, I want to, to jump in just a few more points. So one point I wanted to make as you were making it, uh, you mentioned how much bandwidth is cheap for you in storage, but mm -hmm. storage is not expensive and bandwidth no. you're paying for it because yep. the US currently, while we still have net neutrality as far as you know, we do have it in Europe and mm -hmm. it seems like there is going to be legislation protecting it, you're paying for the data when you're using Wi-Fi or yep. your home broadband. So that, mm -hmm. that's just the model of how things are. Yeah. So they're not really doing you a favor in that sense. Well, no. uh, the other thing is GCHQ, since you mentioned it, and by the way, they don't just snoop on data, they snoop on streams. So they would even mm -hmm. hook onto people's uh, Yahoo chats and 
yeah. as far as we know, is they, they watched like 100,000 people masturbating. That's what they found. And this is not really acceptable, because when they snoop on 1.9 million people, mm -hmm. then you know they're not really spying on people who are no, very likely to be. Yeah, so exactly. So you said things have always been the same, nothing has changed, but it's actually not true. Things have changed, because in the past they couldn't do all this stuff. Well, <laughs> when the Pentagon, the, this thing called the Inter-Net came out, from the Pentagon, it wasn't yet possible to do everything like that. Uh, there was no infrastructure, there was no, what's no back door, instead of back door, back door, it seems to be the new thing now to implant uh, vulnerabilities in some software. We, we don't know enough yet, but I've, I've done some investigation and it's still being discussed on the web, but it seems that... Is. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but the, the yeah. thing is, yeah, and I've I've made this point in a few of my articles of late. Yeah, um, we can't. There's no dispute that um, snooping into people's private conversations and habits or whatever is completely out of order. Um, there's there's no dispute there whatsoever. And I, I think the millions of people who were intruded upon can feel rightfully aggrieved for that intrusion of their privacy. However, this is something that throughout history, and I, I, I've documented this before has been done. Now, in the time oh, very of the Romans, yeah, because we didn't have so the technology. So in Kenya, when yeah. the Brits did it in Kenya, and they did yeah. d destroy I'm some evidence of it. Basically, I think they throw some evidence in near Singapore in the waters. It's, they, they were very much limited in what they could yeah. do. This, oh, yeah. is the reason, this is the reason you have a nation now called the United States of America, because they were able to organize against the British. Um, I'm, I'm talking about I'm talking about the ethos of invading privacy. Now, technology has enabled people to do that simpler, and 1.9 million or however many people can be intruded on now. It's a click of a button, I assume, and a lot of data collected. Not everyone. Yeah. Not everyone. Here's the thing. So people can still use encryption, even though RSA and several other things are very much weakened by mm -hmm. design. It, they were designed later or perturbed to be vulnerable and give the illusion of security, which is even mm. worse than having no security at all. Because you, you can say things that you wouldn't say otherwise if you thought that you were being eavesdropped on. But here's the thing. Um, if if you're... Um, when, it, when it comes to GCHQ, what you have to, to bear in mind, um, they have a certain a very nice model of we'll have CCTV everywhere, there is a robbery, there is a murder, we'll look back at the footage. Now the footage of course is not going to prevent the crime, it might help prevent catch the person, but yesterday when I was walking past the store and I watched one of those guys in a you know, well-armored vehicle going to pick up some cash from one of the pubs, I was thinking of like a, a potential threat, because usually you would try to think what they, why they do certain things at the airport and what they're trying to prevent and how they would prevent an actual case and an actual threat. And then you actually think to yourself of, of the CCTV and the fact that these days, as far as I know, from personal experience for people that I was a victim of and people nearby, People just, you know, they they just wear some kind of a hoodie or something to fa to hide their face. So the CCTV will keep on doing surveillance on people who are not doing anything wrong. And as soon as the bad guy happens, for, for instance, the person who stole my bike last year, he's gonna wear a hoodie, and then I'll say some guy stole your bike. And except his skin color, they cannot see anything. They just see a guy with a hoodie taking my bike and walking away, and they can see it on CCTV. But it's not very useful. So the model that says, okay, we'll just catch those people and photograph their faces, is really breaking down because those who plan to do bad things will still use 
you know, reliable measures of avoiding those things. So, so who do you actually spy on? Yeah, I mean, the, the problem is, and, and I mean, CCTV is, is probably a topic that goes way off course of what we're discussing, but I mean, in brief, CCTV is always one of those things that does it um, prevent crime? Well, we can't ever measure that because you can never measure what has been prevented because it hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, look, you're right, people can disguise and wear hoodies or whatever when they commit a crime and render mm-hmm. CCTV completely useless. Um, that's not the only method of um, of capture that CCTV uh, would use because, of course, it can be used to track an individual's whereabouts and that's for good reasons and bad reasons. If they were following the guy with the hoodie who'd concealed his identity and managed to see him go into a car, for example, a number mm-hmm. plate was shown, then that might lead. But again, mm-hmm. it can also be used for the purposes which we've seen in reports where um, you've had bogus uh, CCTV operators that have used it to infringe on people's um, privacy and use them completely inappropriately. Could I just add though, it might interest you to know, um, in some of the, the bigger um, stores where they have CCTV on the outside, mm-hmm. there's... Um, there's a, there's a lot of rules. I mean, I would, I would assume this is the same in, in sort of any, any person who's got access to a CCTV camera, but even more so in, in the bigger sort of industries. There's very strict rules um, which people have to abide by in terms of privacy um, for sort of zooming the camera in. You can't focus it on people's houses or anything like that. Um, and because everything is recorded, there's a very, uh, a, a very good supervisory um, method uh, going on if it is being supervised. Um, I've got mixed feelings about CCTV, and I think what it does do, what we can say is it does up the ante. Um, if somebody, for example, your security core um, or security um, money collector, if somebody was to uh, commit a crime involving uh, a robbery of him, the ante would be considerably higher because now they've got a lot of prevention. They've got the locked van, they've got the security guard, they've got the box, they've got all that sort of thing. So they're going to have to go to more extreme measures in order to... Uh, to commit the crime. Now, that could well stop the average Joe criminal who might think, oh, I'll try and snatch that briefcase off that chap um, and only attract the more hardened, uh, determined criminal who's willing to go the extra mile, as it were, to commit the crime. Um, that's arguably, but we can't really say because we can't say what CCTV is. It's important, is so you're talking about deterrence as the issue, and I agree with you that I always said that one thing that CCTV might be able to achieve is deterrence, and it's really hard to measure that. So you might say people will be aware that the CCTV will act as a deterrence. However, it depends on deterrence against who. So a lot of people would be on drugs, and I'm not trying to generalize here, but a lot of people who commit crimes, they have strong physical urge to, you know, they have to mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. I don't think a camera is going to prevent them from pulling a, a knife and trying to mug someone. And the other thing is you have to distinguish between, um, you know, like classical crime or uh, minor crimes and shoplifting and things like that from the issue of supposed terrorism. I, I didn't like how the press in the UK still plays about, still plays around and, you know, really squeezes this cow that's the last year's, uh, I call it a homicide, homicide. However, they insist that this is a terrorism act, a guy slaughtered a guy, disgusting what happened there. However, to try to justify whatever it is they do, they will use this basically a failure of the system to prevent a crime uh, to to persuade us that we have this issue that's terrorism and therefore we have to you know do surveillance of just about any British person it, it, and look at all the emails. 
it's a big grey area. I, I mean, because what's, what constitutes terrorism, for example, if there'd been a case uh, which was tragically the same way, it was, say, two football uh, supporters from a, an opposing team had done the same thing, would that still be an act of... Because terror is such an ambiguous title. It's, um, it's something that isn't particularly well described by anybody in authority, and it's something that leaves the public sort of scratching their heads until they hear the word mentioned. It's a very... Uh, actually, we had this discussion today in the Take Rice RC channel, because... Somebody brought up the fact that insurgent is a very insignificant, nebulous term. And there are lots of terms like that, like, you know, uh, militant, or, you know, uh, which basically means adult male these days. And a lot of people don't realize that any adult male who can join the military is a militant by the definition that they use based on the New York Times. So, uh, the, the, the definition of insurgent might as well apply to a country sending more troops to a country it invades. And you might say, well, there are insurgents, the surge of troops to the place. However, the way it's used is usually very deceiving, and, and terrorists is more associated with uh, uh, ethnicity now, and with a um, with a certain bunch of people. But you wouldn't associate uh, Angela, un Angela Merkel with terrorism, even though in the eyes of the people who look after her, they call it color. A, a target or a person who's potentially an adversary and they will spy using the same law and the same pretexts as as I'm, they I'm, do for other people I mean and that's a, sorry so, it's it's I, I try to avoid those labels in, in, in theory sometimes use quotes around them because it's not really clear what those mean even when they claim to kill so-called terrorist or a militant, a lot of the time you have to bear in mind the ones that they kill with the drones and they kill a lot of innocent people like drivers and you know bystanders and completely incorrect people based on their metadata that the NSA collects. A lot of those people have not done anything yet but there is suspicion that they, they will be engaging in, in what the Department of Justice, I think it's Eric Holder, would define as suspicious activity and being an imminent threat. These are two things are in quotes. So they haven't done anything. However, there is suspicion that they're doing something suspicious and they might be doing something bad soon. Therefore, without trial, we assassinate them, execute them, and people around them as well. And uh, I write a lot about this issue of drones because I think that opens the door to things which in 10 years from now will be applicable not just to arms, but maybe... Uh, as we see in the UK now, the xenophobia is being extended, in my opinion, from Arabs to East Europeans, and you see a lot of the anti-Polish and anti-Romanian thing. That shows you that it's a very easy victim to pick up. First, you pick up the people that look a bit different and have a tendency to be upset at the government, and then you extend to another group of people. I mean, I mean, we're quite lucky because at the moment where we live, um, it's a very diverse mix of uh, communities, and we don't have any major sort of social issues here. Everybody gets on with each other, and there's no real problems. The worrying thing is, is as you go further north up the country, maybe where uh, migration isn't so large um, in some of the sort of northeast areas. It's um, parties, and I, I don't want to turn this into political debate, but uh, you get parties like UKIP and the BNP, which will say things which people will follow and which will people people buy into, and then all of a sudden you have a, a large community blaming a, another community for all the the wrongs of a, everything that's going wrong with this country, and it's nothing to do with the immigration at all. There's a very interesting article recently on um, London's Biggest Conversation, a, a very popular radio show in the UK, 
Um, it's also available online around the world. Um, and it's things like National Health Service wouldn't survive without immigration. Um, it, it lives off immigration, um, and that's how we've got the national health service we have. Um, and there's a lot of other benefits that's been brought to this country, but like I, like I said before, ignorance and um, small-minded people being led by other people with ulterior motives um, always spells trouble. Um, You're suggesting the only uh, people to sorry. to lead the to lead the gullible are the ones that are the racists. However. Remember that also the people who are further up uh, the ladder, they use those people to incite yes, the people yeah. to be distracted. So, so it's a it's, bit more complicated than you it, put it. Um, it's, it's not justifiable, but it's understandable. It's human nature to find blame um, somewhere else. I mean, we look at even the, the big cases, um, for example, something completely random now, Ian Huntley. Um, when the when that story hit, Ian Huntley was arrested. He was a an, a, um, a killer, by the way, for people that don't know. But the blame and the news reports after his arrest and trial were all about who who was to blame. Was it social services? Was it the local police? Who didn't do this? Who didn't do that? Why didn't they do this check? And it seemed that the entire blame of the actual crime from the perpetrator was shifted onto all the services that surrounded this person that should have known that he was going to commit a crime later in life. And it's, it's human nature to want to find somebody, somebody to blame. Um, unfortunately, when it comes to the detriment of a community, that's when it's wrong. And that's when it needs to be stopped. Um, but it's something that that's always going to happen, unfortunately. And uh, I'm sure, you know, we've, we've seen a, we've seen a shift of um, of blame that goes around this country, you know, over the last twenty or so years. And it's, it it stays in different communities for a while, then moves on to another one. Then you don't hear anything, and it's un it's unfortunate. But uh, you know, we we try our best to sort of uh, put a stopper on it and say, look, this is wrong. You need to reassess. But some of these people. Um, are just so set in their in their mindset that oh it's got to be this person's fault or that community's fault, and really you, there's no getting through to them. I mean, one look on Twitter, I've uh, regularly engaged people um, who are members of the EDL, which is the English Defence League, um, and their sort of attitudes and uh, towards um, towards many different uh, people is just absolutely disgusting. Um, but you can't get through to these people. Uh, they these people represent an opinion that's shared among, to some degree, among a lot of people. They might not be supporting the deal. So this is just showing one facet of people's opinion. So let's assume, just 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 assume for the sake of argument, that every person's got some capacity to hate uh, a different group. Every person's got a capacity to hate a person of a different class, like this person's got a boat and a house, blah, 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 so I don't like that person. And every person's got a capacity to hate, let's say, different, uh, uh, a different age, a different gender, a different uh, occupation or something like that. And these things represent strands and the fact that they organize into a group and manage to recruit people. Uh, those people are not therefore labeled. Uh, you know, I'm a UKIP supporter when there is an element of these opinions in many people's, uh, you know, I, I share values also with horrible leaders like Bush and Obama to some degree. I couldn't say like every single thing they do I'm against. Uh, however, uh, the, the growth of a certain uh, strand and opinion that may be a concern in you know, and the same, the same goes for governments. Governments have hostility either against the Soviets or against something like uh, the Venezuela control of the, uh, you know, the nation's control of the oil reserves, as opposed to corporations' control of the oil reserves. 
and they well, have cer certain attitudes towards that, and that changes over time. Well, I think we've uh, diverged quite uh, dramatically from the yeah. original topic at hand. So I'm going to be the one um, to say, uh, I think next topic, you've summed everything up uh, quite nicely. We, we were talking about storage <laughs> online and, and yes. usage. Of, uh, yeah, which is yeah. fair enough, but I mean, these, these are things we didn't speak of before. Yeah. And, uh, and the important thing is, I guess, that if, if you're storing your files away, and by the way, I store my files online on my website. It's still accessible to anyone who wants to access them, but I'm yeah. aware that it's public. Uh, so it, it, I, mean, I, I can proudly say my wife doesn't need to use Facebook because she puts her photos online, and over the past year plus, she got like 150,000 direct views on like the images, so people actually access and they view it, and they can subscribe by RSS. So we don't have to rely on any third party to distribute and to tag and to uh, and to do things like that. Facebook, based on an article I said yesterday, uh, is serving uh, 2,000 um, um, transactions to UK police. And an article I saw last year said that the UK police is the third biggest user of Facebook. I think it's a lot more than 2,000 uh, requests. But, but the point is that. Oh, sorry. Yeah, the point is Facebook and sites like that are the to-go place for those who require information about you, including private communications. And when well, it's obviously not the things that they would see publicly. What they want from Facebook is to see a lot more detailed information that Facebook would typically give to advertisers. What time is he using the computer? He does he talk to? What does he say? Is he admitting something? Is he talking about his past, her past, uh, who he likes, who she likes? Whose wall that person visits a lot, and 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 they can share this with authorities as well. And, and the more you give to those corporations that do cooperate like this with the NSA, uh, you know, it, it can be used. It it will only be used against you. You know that it's not going to be used to your benefit. Nobody's looking after you and trying to you know saying, oh, this guy's a great guy. We should send him a check by post and say thank you for being such a great Facebook user. Mm. They look for negative things. They treat everybody as a potential threat and threat perhaps to, you know, he might become a political party one day and beat Labour and Tories or something and, 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 and this is their concern, this is their real enemy. I mean, it does, it, it, you've you brought up a few really uh, interesting things there because um, when, uh, with Facebook especially, yeah, it's, it's used, uh, obviously the authorities will have a, have a look on that. I think there was an article recently I saw uh, that was reported in the press where there was some uh, some person who was wanted on the recall to prison and he was bragging that the police hadn't uh, caught up with him on Facebook and then it got into this sort of silly immature um, battle between the police and this person who was on the run or for want of a better word and um, they eventually caught up with him and um, put a gloating sort of comment on his Facebook page to say that uh, don't challenge us, we will win, or, or words that I, I think it was Manchester Police actually. It was it was quite recently. Um, I saw the article on the Metro, I think. Um, but it, it shows that uh, you know that all the agencies are using this, and the problem is as well with these social media sites like Facebook, which are the mainstream ones, ones that the majority of people, if you're knocking your next door neighbour's house, are going to uh, going to be reading or using. Um, the, the government bodies now are using them themselves to promote their claims of greatness and what they've achieved and they use them mm -hmm. as PR tools which is one of the reasons why I'm systematically blocking um, all these type of uh, bodies and agencies from my Twitter account 
because I'm fed up of seeing things promoted on my timeline to say that uh, how great everything is. Do they call it sponsored now? Like yeah. sponsored? Yeah. And they really promote, show yeah. me this. Yeah, it's a horrible so, thing. Is well, anything of anything with um, a, of a government body, I will uh, I will block. Um, they do it on Twitter as well. So yeah, that's one of the yeah, yeah. And Twitter yeah. is becoming more like Facebook, and this is something we didn't cover. And so far, they haven't changed the layout, default layout of pages, but they are moving very much in the direction now. I'll tell you what you should try. Okay, go to fa go to sorry to Twitter, <laughs> saying Facebook. It, it will be like Facebook, and occasionally you'll find if you look at a person's profile page, it looks almost the same as Facebook. Go to direct message and look at the interface. That's almost like Facebook. Now, go to your settings. Okay, this is interesting. Go to privacy. They changed the... Uh, a lot of people didn't notice this because Twitter didn't say they changed the software, the back end. That's the magics of the cloud. And you'll find that you have... I'm not sure if it is something like an ID assigned to you. And that's not an ID for your use. That's for advertisers. And by default, it will be switched on. So it basically means that you're being tracked. And increasingly, Google does the same thing in Android for Android users. And there's all sorts of things that happen that are horrible when it comes to to uh, to privacy. And, and I said Twitter is increasingly starting to treat users like the products. And 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 uh, you know, Stallman likes to call them not users but used because they're being used. And it goes down the same road now with. Twitter, unfortunately, and I keep using it, but I, I just don't count on it for the long run. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I use it, and I mean, I I would advocate anybody using Twitter if they're fully aware of um, the consequences of using. Now, I go into Twitter knowing that I'm going to be looked at as a product, and that's why we see the promoted posts. Mm -hmm. um, because, have, sorry, have you heard about the Wonga scandal? No, I haven't heard that. Okay, so those who don't know, Wonga is a really, really horrible. Uh, loan shark in the UK, and apparently they expand to other countries because today I saw they also have like a presence in Canada or something. And they keep spamming us TV and stuff, so it's very easy to hear this word Wonga every now and then. And somebody did a satire about the the company, and he and then the company apparently the company's lawyers, whom Wonga calls like. You know, even 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 Wonga thinks those lawyers are a bit crazy. It's the people they employ. Went after the 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 person's post in Twitter, and Twitter agreed to delete to censor the criticism, which was satirical. So it wasn't like even a it was a bogus copyright claim against satire against the company itself. So here you see that Twitter is also starting yeah. to go into the censorship business based on bogus claims. Well, I, I, I never, I, I never came across the uh, the Wonga story myself. But I mean, the other thing I was going to say was, and this was relevant to my own experience. Um, it sort of highlights the shame of the experience I had with um, Diaspora. Now, that was the one way that you could sort of prevent a lot of these issues that arise with Facebook and people, uh, mm -hmm. have, you know, being given data by Facebook. Mm -hmm. And that's it was decentralised, and it, it was fantastic. I mean, I think I said to you on Twitter a while back, the problem I had with Diaspora. Um, wasn't that it was bad service? Wasn't that it didn't do everything it said in the tin and everything that Google Plus and um, and Facebook did do? But the it seems that the uh, the average user or demographics of the user base was mainly um, people in the know, and uh, that's okay. I, yeah, and that's, that's what why you I pulled want. out. Of you don't the, want to be trolled by people who think you're crazy. Well, yeah. But you see, I've, I've got a lot. To, I've I've got a lot to say, but my 
target audience or the people I want to stretch out to aren't the people that already know aren't the people that know about Creative Commons they don't know about um, free and open source software mm -hmm. now it's all well and good me going to a forum and saying it's that how, hard how, yeah uh, it is yeah. hard but yeah if I go uh, to a forum because you're not TV you're not entertaining no, no, no offence to you no 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 but not they, at all. They, they will be introduced to Creative Commons when CNN says it's news they'll accept but, it's news but then, when, when CNN tells them that the cloud thing is a great thing that's when they go online and say oh maybe we should try this cloud thing and I think like Stallman said it's just media hype he said it in 2008 and I still think a lot of people they think it's a hip thing now to send your thing to this iCloud thing and to buy this Apple thing, the, the white thing, simple interface and GUIs and silverish things and aqua and they really think it's 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 what makes them friends because that's what they see on TV. This is the guy who gets friends, the guy who dresses up hip, uses a Mac. And and it really gets into them. And say, Oh, you're such a Luddite, you don't put your data on the cloud. Say, No, because I'm not stupid. And and they just look at people like that with ridicule, like, oh, Stoneman doesn't use a cell phone, <laughs> he must be crazy. Well, now we but, know he's not that crazy, and he doesn't pay I'm, with I mean, cash either. I'm, so I mean, he, he I'm, pays with cash. Yeah, pays with cash, yeah. 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 I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm obviously um, talking to a limited audience um, within the remit of my Twitter followers and um, or, or people that are kind enough to, to read what I put onto Twitter. But, you know, mm. with open source software, with Creative Commons, and uh, with uh, GNU slash Linux, it just takes one person for me to, you know, show the benefits of and them to, to bring that into their own home, and that's a success. That person, mm. and I've seen this happen before, I had a colleague at work, um, mm -hmm. a computer user, only because of necessity, he would uh, use Facebook, he would you know, send emails, just do basic stuff on, on his laptop. Um, he was introduced to Linux um, on his laptop, and uh, then the next thing, I know he's recommended it to a friend, and that friend mm -hmm. then comes to me and says, "You do the same thing to my computer." Mm -hmm. And although they don't know what they're running, and they don't know about, and they don't understand free and open source software, and to be fair, they don't have any interest in knowing what free and open source okay. software is. But it doesn't matter. They, they don't have to understand it. No. it. Yeah, um, yeah. And and the fact is that they're getting a better experience. So that's a success. Now I could stand up in front of you know 50 people who've all got Linux already installed in the machine and say how great Linux is for example, but I wouldn't be doing any good because they'd all be nodding their head and say, yeah, we know. Um, so I, I tried to sort of reach out, and that was why Diaspora wasn't what I wanted to do, because the people I want to reach to are the people that talk about uh, Justin Bieber and Lady Gaga, and don't consider that you know, the thing that they're using to get onto the internet could be far better or a better experience with A lot of them are using Android now yeah. to do and that. And that's good. And, and, that's good. and also when they serve the web, they're using this thing called Apache and Firefox and Chrome and so it is changing, but you see, they don't know what free software is. In fact, they will be told that open source is a failure, and Linux is like, when was the year? When will be the year of the Linux desktop? And and they really follow. That's fine, you know. But 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 at the end of the day, you tell oh, this telephone you're using that uses Linux, and this thing called Google that runs Linux, and uh, you know those websites run. They run in Apache. It's open source. They don't have to realize that they do this, but those things that they use will in some cases secure them from vulnerabilities, backdoors and so on. By the way, I think Android is not that secure anymore and I think the reason it, it's kind of permitted to be popularized is because based on the Wall Street Journal, a very pro-establishment thing, uh, Android can have its uh, facilities like cameras and microphones switched on remotely by the FBI. So we kind of know that there is some mechanism and Google doesn't say anything about it. So so in a way, 
you could say, okay, well, those people are using Android and it's free software. However, I'm not sure how we can try, how well we can uh, count on it. And that also links into a recent report from the uh, Free Software Foundation that the people working on um, what's the name? Um, uh, rep replicant. The, the guys working on replicant with F, F Droid. They found what they call to be a backdoor in the Samsung telephones. So the implementation of Android by some of the vendors will contain uh, voluntary or involuntary backdoor inside of it that takes care of take, <laughs> takes care of, takes takes control of the phone basically. Yeah, I mean it, it's um. I mean, it, it's probably a subject that the mainstream consumer doesn't consider much until they see something in the paper, and mm. they don't. They don't look at these. But they issues. do see it now. Yeah, they do see it now. But well, I, I don't think. I mean, you just have to look at the sales figures of Samsung, for example, to say mm. that it's not really affecting the mindset of the mainstream consumer. I don't know. Samsung's got okay yeah. uh, perception. Um, just as an actually, example. there are other issues now with Samsung doing uh, imitating Apple, and I've listed uh, recently about three or four things anti-features that they have. They're going very hostile into the market of locking and region lockdown and, and DRM and disabling things remotely then, and a lot of bad things. But then can you, can you blame them, not in their actions, but what, why they're doing it? Because they're business and they're making money and yeah. they've got shareholders yeah. and they've got board of directors. Yeah, and this is the way businesses operate. This is why the free software um, is a is a better is a better model um, rather mm. than big corporations controlling one product. Yeah, I mean, you look at the Raspberry Pi. Can we ever envisage a time where the manufacturers of Raspberry Pi start producing the their little um, components? Uh, you know, encrypt DRM, and uh, you, it wouldn't ever happen. It's a it's a computer that people can build and uh, enjoy mm. yeah, as, a, as a hobby, like computers used mm. to be. Um, so you know, it's it's the way big business works, and it's the same with bands as well. I know this is slightly a, a bad example, but if you look at a small band that starts off playing in the pub. They maybe uh, sell a few of their own homemade records. Then they'll go on to put some stuff on YouTube, and then they'll put some stuff out for free, a Creative uh, Commons license or whatever. And then the second they get a contract with Sony uh, or anybody like that, boom, that's it, they're gone. And they're producing completely different stuff and acting in a completely different way. I mean, just look at Metallica, for example. They were very different when they first started to being the pro-copyrights, uh, or I think that's my assessment, pro-copyright group that they are now. I think Lars Ulrich had uh, a lot to say about piracy and uh, copyrights. I think he's a, a staunch supporter, in my opinion, of, uh, of copyrights. Mm. Let me ask you a question. I was thinking this about a couple of hours ago. Um, since I was talking about labels, now, there's this thing we'll call pirate, okay? Now, obviously, people who are copyright infringers are not pirates, and pirates did exist many years ago. And I read an article, and I don't mean like one of those uh, edgy, marginalized sites, but a fairly good site, which was talking about the grievances of people in Somalia. Specifically, uh, for those who want to read the article, I can provide a link. But the, the short story is there is dumping of nuclear waste there in the sea next to Somalia. If people look at the map, they'll see that it's an important passage point for those who are going through the Suez Canal. Now, the other thing that happens is they're taking all the fish, so ships from Europe and also from the United States are coming to pick up all the fish. And this, in part, is the cause of starvation because they depend a lot on fishery. In Somalia, they don't have many green places uh, from which to extract, like, you know, uh, fauna and flora. So, so basically, let, let's say that, that they do have some potentially legitimate concern. Why do we call them pirates? I mean, if you look at how they operate, it's quite different from the 
the way the pirates used to operate before. And and so I, I think we should completely get rid of this notion of you know, using the word pirate. It's basically, it's become just a label now. Oh, yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, that, that's another human trait, isn't it, to put everything into a box and to give it a label. Um, I mean, I can't speak much about um, Somali uh, people that have been labelled a pirate. Um, however, I think the um, the title pirate for somebody who infringes copyright uh, was something that was adopted by the pirates themselves. I think it was a title used by um, somebody like the Federation Against Copyright Theft many years ago to describe copyright and free. I think the name became fashionable and it was adopted by the people committing copyright. Now it's become a, a sort of uh, cool phrase to be associated with. I mean, Johnny Depp sort of that in the Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, so I, I, I think that's certainly why it's related to the copyright uh, industry now. Certainly, I don't think anybody would they were infringing copyright would take offence at being called pirate. Um, it's certainly not an offensive term. Well, um, it depends who's talking. So when you use the word pirate, uh, what you think of your connotation and your mental association with the word will be different from another person's word. And and I was reminded of this when I expressed that I. In part, I'm a hacker. I'm hacking on code. I change code, and in fact, this is what I do in part for a living. And uh, and another person sees the word hacker, and he kind of opens his eyes, like, "What? You a hacker?" And I'm saying, "Yeah, but you probably don't know what the word actually means." And I know Stallman is extremely sensitive when I bring up the word hacker. He knows what I, he knows that I know what it means. However, he's concerned that some of the viewers will be confused by the word, and 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 it's a legitimate concern. I, I, this is something I can never understand. After my days of the Amiga, um, which was sort of my the golden years for me for computing, um, the terms that we understood by hacker, coder, and cracker um, was the following: a coder was a programmer, um, broke code. The hacker was somebody who broke into systems, um, brute forcing passwords or whatever. Days of the BBS, it was uh, it was thing but um yeah that was what a hacker was breaking the computer system war games type thing um and then a cracker was somebody who took say one of the latest games and stuck a little intro on the front of it uh, cracks, yeah. 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 yeah um yeah. and give you infinite life trainer so that, that was the definition i always understood those so the cracker will be the person downloading yeah. the thing or the person who puts it available online with the cracks the, available um the cracker would be the person who yeah. broke open the, the game whatever it was and okay. uh, stuck the infinite lives at the beginning so you could complete uh, it and when these days they say pirates do they mean the uploader or the downloader or um, both? That's, a, that's a very good question um, so, so a person who goes to YouTube, let's say Bill Gates, you see, he admits doing that, and watches a copyrighted film, like Bill Gates does, is he a pirate? I would suppose if you knowingly infringe the copyright of another, then regardless of whether you uploaded or downloaded, then you would come under the label of pirate, I assume. Okay. But that's, that's a question I've never actually considered before. Who's, who's the pirate, the uploader yeah. or the downloader? So, so, okay. There was a report in an uh, excellent website, Torrance Frick, I recommend to everybody, uh, that says I think 37% of the people who are in the industry of asserting copyrights, whatever it is, I suppose they're looking at the very close circles to the MPA, RAA, 37% of them, in fact, themselves are infringing you know, by their definition, they are pirates. So here you have over a third of those who are pretending to be against the pirates actually themselves being so-called pirates. 
and and it's a very interesting uh, story. However, if you're in the UK and you and I had this discussion before, uh, you might not be able to get to the site because the UK is implementing a set of filters now for the children, of course. Uh, I mean, adult children. Yeah, because you, yeah. yeah, the government. You, you know, it's always an emotive word for the children. Yes. Yeah, for the children. It actually was passed for the children. It's not. <laughs> children. It's actually it's true, and uh, and. Uh, one of the sites to be censored by some of the ISPs, and one of them that's confirmed to be applicable in this case is Sky, uh, is Torrent Freak. Because Torrent Freak is a very, very naughty site. It gives people news, and it gives a different point of view, and that's very, very dangerous. You know, think it's, about the children who might have a diverse point of view. It, it's, probably, it's, it's probably a good example of how. Um, and I don't want to use the term ignorant, but not know the mainstream consumers are because the Pirate Bay has been subjected for many years now to blocks by the ISPs in the, in the UK. Um, and during that time, the, the type Pirate Bay has still been running quite happily because people in the know know that you can go to it via a, a proxy. Um, but the fact that they still keep these blocks in place to me shows that the mainstream um, users, and I, I wouldn't know if uh, I assume this. Pirate Bay is still up and running uh, before I continue on and don't uh, embarrass myself. But the mainstream user has been prevented by you know this block, which is a really simple block and can be circumvented with just a quick Google search. But it seems to have, to have well, certainly the people I spoke with said they couldn't get access to uh, the Pirate Bay. Um, but having read Torrent Freak, it's still apparently still uh, is still going. Um, but there's plenty of ways you can get into it without even having any computer knowledge at all. So maybe Torrent Freak is a gateway drug. Yes, possibly. <laughs> it will lead people to, and then maybe the city of London also will uh, just pull out the domain Torrent Freak at some I, stage because they I, like to do it without any trial. I challenged the Federation Against Software Theft on a on a twi uh, tweet recently. Um, they made some silly remark um, about copyright, and I, I challenged them back, and we had a very short conversation. Yet they didn't respond back to me on my final comments, and that was um, book uh, my novels hopefully coming out soon. I'm not going to pimp it on here because I refuse to use this as an advertising tool, but I'll just say my book at the time um, is coming out very shortly. However, I'd be quite happy um, here and now, and people can hold me to this later for people to pirate it. Why? Because I I wrote the book for the specific reason for people to read it and hopefully laugh at it because it's a um, so if somebody pirated it I would take that as a as a, uh, as a compliment and also the fact that people that do tend to pirate these things tend to be future customers and future people who say yeah I like his work I've tried a bit of it for free now I want to buy you know something of his. But you're an author you're a producer mm -hmm. you're not a publisher you're not the corporate monopoly or the corporate no, cartel or the corporate mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it so the, these people are in the business of pretending to be businesses when all they actually do is try to assert a right to profit based on some bits or data or books or copies of books or something and these you know there's all sorts of people that live in society and work but they don't produce anything they don't produce a real service they don't produce any no, goods no, but, it's all but they, they, they justify their existence by all sorts of means if you're in the CIA you justify say we have terrorists if you're in the banking industry you say people need loans if you're like a lawyer you say oh people cannot represent themselves they need me to help them out so so there are all sorts of things that you can argue are necessary unnecessary but in the case of the copyright industry I think everyone who gets some of the facts will agree that they are like a parasite and by doing a copyright reform you can have all the artists 
equally happy, if not more happy, and you remove all those people from the loop. No, they won't be happy about that because they are very, very wealthy individuals, the conglomerates, and uh, and to get rid of them will be very difficult, especially when they are literally uh, not bribing. I mean, uh, contributing funds to the politicians in the UK and the US. So, so they have a lot of power, and it's really hard to, you know, disrupt them. Maybe, and our, our, our debate for, the, for a future episode would be the bonuses. They're not in terms of um, of ownership, but just in terms of the fact that uh, the copyright issue gets nullified and the benefits of being self-published. Because obviously, if you do self-publish, the uh, there's no sort of copyright cartel that can get involved in uh, on behalf of a publisher or an agent that decides that somebody else has infringed your your work. Um, I was just sent to um, Gordon the other day, uh, who does the Cribbins show. Um, I'd be chuffed to bits. There's a big thing at the moment with authors about fan fiction and copyright infringements and stuff like that. And I was sent to uh, sent Gordon on Twitter. It would probably be the biggest compliment I could have about my work if somebody wrote a piece of fan fiction uh, about what uh, yeah, the storyline to my book um, and continued on the story or adapted it in, in some way. Um, for somebody to sit and take the time to write a novel in itself about something you know, about your work is probably about the biggest compliment you can get. It's very yeah. easy for somebody to say. It's the same when. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, you, you know, some people set up several websites that whose only purpose was to attack my website, and I mm. thought, wow, a whole yeah. person's dedicated <laughs> entire life just to talk about my website. That's great. And, it's, uh, it is. It is. It, I mean, it is, it is a compliment. Um, you know, regardless of how they do it. You know, it's. Um, I mean, of course, it's not. It's not very pleasant when somebody sets up something that's uh, that can be offensive and vulgar. But um, the ethos behind it and the fact that they've gone the trouble to produce it um, means obviously that uh, you're having an emotional effect. And I think I've said this on the show before. There's a very great man. And he was called Rip Flair. Well, he's still alive. It's, he's called Rip Flair, and he was a wrestler in the WWE. And he said, um, "To be loved is fine. To be hated is fine. It's gross indifference that's a killer." And I think that is so true. I and think, uh, you know what Kurt Cobain said? I, I saw a quote from you. <laughs> I, I couldn't quote it precisely. It was in yeah. diaspora. I said something along the lines of, uh, uh, "To be hated for something you say is fine. Uh, to be loved for something you didn't say." I.e. misrepresentation, that's mm. bad. So if people love you for things that you don't actually believe in, that's a bad thing. Mm. And uh, I think people do need to be polite. I mean, it's it's very hard now to cause controversy. Just don't do anything, don't say anything, don't get involved. Or be nothing, you know. Don't say nothing, don't do anything. And and it's easy, but, but this is why a lot of politicians get in trouble. Actually, a lot of politicians don't actually say a thing. Now, the politicians who do say a lot in the States... And several of them are very interesting. I mean, Roy Wyden is, is very anti-surveillance, but he needs to come across as professional. In the U.S., no libertarian gets associated with like a bit of a freaky type of person personality. And, and uh, if you say you're a libertarian in the States, you get associated with one of the presidential candidates that's not so well known, or with one of those that tried to run with the GOP and his son. That's the... Uh, the Paul family, and 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 that's what it means there to be a libertarian. Now it's kind of like being a far right kind of person, and being very uh, uh, irrational, or at least that's the that's that's the way the press represents that. Uh, but in any case, the to be to be kind of controversial and outspoken now is puts you under a whole new label. In the UK, we have people like George Galloway, and they will 
say negative things when people die and 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 the press of course will just jump on it and take advantage of that to say that person's crazy or the person doesn't accurately represent history and sometimes I actually get find it appealing when those people speak out and the press attacking them makes me wonder why is the press attacking them why do why are they not liked by the corporate press why are they not liked by the head of the corporations the one percent and when you start to explore it you look at people like bernie sanders i think in, he's in vermont in the states he's a very popular senator across the states because he really speaks out against the bankers and he's not the only one but again, um, again this, this is just something that human um humans have engaged in since the dawn of time the roman empire um, had exactly the same things going on, albeit they didn't have technology and the internet and CCTV and all that. But they had they had informers, they had spies standing on street corners watching people reporting back on conversations. They had business that were in the ears of the local um, governors of areas, you know, where and it's exactly the same. And history is just com um, is a, com a complete repetition all the time. It's just now we have the facility to do things easier and quicker with the advent of technology. Yeah. And and now and but conversely, we also now have the facility to communicate our grievances with these techniques because of the, te the technology itself. So people in the state who are in exactly the same position as everybody else in the world, um, you know, it's many many people um, suffering uh, suffering intrusions by a few people in power and a few bodies associated with them. And the enemies, um, of course, the people who blow yeah. the whistle now. When and really, let, let me tell you a few things. Uh, so Edward Snowden. Very, very common target. Usually, the the common uh, uh, propagandist to say he's a hero or a traitor, as if there is nothing in between. And it's the same thing they used against us. He's not a hero; he's a conscious person who decided to speak out. Now, here's an interesting thing I'll tell you: is uh, Snowden is, uh, um, a, as you know, he's being portrayed as working for the Russians in the same way that Julian Assange was. Uh, portrayed as, as it, it basically they use all the same smears all over again and you have to be familiar to know how it works they tried to say that Snowden wasn't trying to uh, hold hold people accountable inside the NSA now we know they lied because he repeatedly shows evidence that he did speak to people inside the NSA which by the way is not such a smart thing to do based on Thomas Drake whose case he had studied before and I know this because I was watching with my wife for an hour and a half an interview that Thomas Drake and uh, Jesslyn Ruddock were doing in London Real just a few weeks ago after Jesslyn was harassed in the border control right in, in, in Heathrow I think she was she was harassed by them um, now here's the thing that that you might not know and I got it from the interview and I think this was a new fact having watched you know almost you know 5,000 articles about this this whole spine um, you know apocalypse happening um, what turned what turns out to be the case and I know WikiLeaks have been very quiet about it before for legal reasons is when Snowden went from China to Russia and people know that he did take the plane he was actually in transit to go to South America now he already had the ticket it turned out but then his passport was revoked by the states and this is why he got stuck and couldn't board the plane now a lot of people did not know they didn't board the plane because they actually revoked the 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 passport while he was in Russia therefore making him like a fugitive or a uh, kind of a imprisoned in the Russian uh, airport in Moscow so and here again you have the situation where they would describe him as kind of a 
uh, a defector of the person who went to Russia when in fact he was in transit because he was trying to get to the real destination which was South America, places that would grant him asylum, permanent asylum. Um, and, and I just wanted to point this out since, since you're mentioning some of those things. Uh, I know the, 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 what I consider to be the British Snowden, that's Annie Machon and, uh, and David Chaler, her husband at the time. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I've, she was also in London Real, and she's also connected with those other two people that I speak to on Twitter sometime. I speak with them. I never spoke to people like Snowden, but I spoke to a lot of people who are speaking to him on a regular basis. And what you might find is that all of those people have been thoroughly demonized, intimidated, and I've, I know what they feel like because I also had some stories that I was reluctant to kind of talk about publicly and I only speak about it privately with the PGP encryption. And, uh, and if, if people think that you have to really be a danger to the state, as in be a danger of physical harm or something, to be harassed, then, then you just don't know enough. And a lot, of, a lot of those people are afraid to talk about it because they know that talking about it will have like serious consequences if they do that I mean what I'd like to do because um, I said before I have to uh, confess now to people listening to this hopefully there's a, a, more than a few people listening um, I've uh, I've got a prior appointment with a, a soccer match that I haven't seen results to that I've got tape that I really want to see the Portland Timbers um, so I'm going to be was quite pushed on time but if I could just finish this topic before we move on to a little bit of software if that's okay with you, Roy. Um, I would like just to mention this. Um, in regards to all the uh, allegations of uh, information uh, snooping and um, people's privacy exploited, I'm going to say something quite controversial, which everybody's going to probably say when they hear this. Um, the public love it, and that's what they want, and I'll tell you why. People complain very quickly that their privacy was intruded upon with all this data that's been collected and all these uh, webcams that have been viewed, etc., etc., but then you look at what's on the news at the moment. Currently, we have the Pistorius trial uh, running on, and uh, that's exposing the private life of a, of a gentleman who hasn't been found guilty or innocent yet, who's uh, undergoing due process um, about a tragic uh, killing, and obviously trying to get to the, to the truth about what occurred and to deliver a verdict, either guilty or not guilty. Now, that's been put on public television, and his private life and uh, the deceased's private life are being uh, publicly exposed to um, worldwide TV, the it's being run on Sky News, and I think a few other news services are, are running. No, there are not news services. <laughs> Sorry, More well, like, yeah, I, I, okay. I, I, you can go into uh, yeah. yeah, okay. Because remember, th those people have a lot of control over the press, yeah. and been... also the, the important point: remember who controls those yeah. CCTV but, footages. I mean, you and I don't have access to them. But reg I mean, regardless, yeah. regardless yeah. of who's putting this on the television, people yeah. are lapping it up, and the general public are loving every minute of this. Um, they're interested in the private lives of people. They want to know what these celebrities have been up to. They're, and it, this is not just the Pistorius trial. There's, there's other, um, there's other uh, celebrities. We wouldn't have tabloids in this country if there wasn't a market for the, the public's desire to know all the gory details about people's private lives. And it's it's a sad indictment of today's society where ah, but here, but wait, these people are products. Yeah, but that doesn't, make them less, yeah, that, that, that doesn't make them any less of a person in terms of their private life. For yeah, example, but, but you, you could have a society very different to football players, but if you idolize football players, if you idolize 
people or politicians. If you idolize a lot of those people, people will respond to it. And there is a big industry called public relations, and they know how to do it. They know how to control people by brands, by names. They'll buy perfume based on names. They'll buy things based on, on based on perceptions that they have and feelings that they have. They'll smoke because they saw some advertisement says women are strong when they smoke. This is how things work. So remember, these people are they their desires are a product of a process of indoctrination that starts quite early. But then, but then again, um, like I say, you know, if I was the uh, the bearded, overweight version of Justin Bieber and I was uh, selling hit singles, just because I'm in the public eye and just because uh, obviously I'm, I'm relying on the public to, to give me an income, does that make me any less of a person and not protected by the privacy laws that the general public expect themselves to be protected by? I would have my my as a as a celebrity. Now, fair enough. I know you say that you're going to say that the celebrities live off the fact that they promote themselves to the public and they'll show. Yeah, but they no, they don't promote them. Well, they they have agents and their agents use them as yeah. products. So they but, they yeah. are, you know. But it, that doesn't make them any yeah. less of people in terms of their privacy. So like when when my um me being the uh, the bearded overweight Justin Bieber sort of spends I don't know. Twenty-five thousand pounds on a on a new uh, pair of shoes, and they want to put an article in the paper about it being a hideous waste of money. Is it right that just because I'm a celebrity, or um, that my privacy should be any less worth than you know John Smith who lives down the road who just goes to work every day in his houses? Well, wait. This violation of privacy is not done by the by the public sector; it's done by the private sector, by people like paparazzi and, and people who are surveillance. So, so that's got, a different, got, different got, take. Got, yeah, but with the paparazzi, yeah. there has to be a market in order to fund it. Yeah, and well, that's, okay, public, that's a yeah. privatized thing. Yeah. I don't think they do anything illegal. I might no, really no, no, hate no. what they do, but I don't think it's illegal. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying is why about the British public, um, and, and all, all publics I would expect in every country are the same with their desire to absorb all this private information. You know, when you see the likes of GCHQ intruding on people, yeah, it's different. Yeah, I know it's different. Yeah, no, but if yeah. you look at it, it's raw value of being an intrusion of, of privacy. Because say, say your webcam was being watched by GCHQ. As far as you're concerned, you're not interested in everybody else that's being watched. You're concerned about your intrusion of privacy first and foremost. Well, actually, I do Just, well, well, yeah, yeah. concerned. Okay, yeah. well, okay. Yeah, you know, you know, yeah. the ethos. Yeah. What I'm saying, you know, it's it, the first and foremost thing is that your privacy, and the most important thing is your privacy has been intruded upon. However, they've done it. Um, and Remember, you're you're being photographed, you're being surveilled, your phone being a tracking device, your payments going through uh, SWIFT to the United States, which is a different country. That's not going to be used to defend you. In fact, that's always going to be used against you, if ever, uh, because you have no access to CCTV. When, I, when my bicycle was stolen last year, for instance, I don't get to see the footage. They tell me what they see on the footage. When I, um, a relative of mine was a victim of a major scam, a uh, very classic scam, and then I joked, not joked, I was actually very serious, speaking to the cops on her behalf because she was very emotional, uh, and asked, why don't you ask GCHQ for you know the data? And she says to me, no, we cannot use it in this case. In other words, the British police is happy to use this data when it comes to protecting banks and rich people and I don't know what interests they put as priority. However, when they can use the data for something useful, and this is very important, they won't use it. They just won't use it because it's all about nepotism. With not with all of them, but a lot of a lot of the time. So they don't use it for positive purposes that could 
you know, the, where they could actually use this data. The, ca the caveat here um, to all of this, and this goes back to the very beginning of this conversation where I, I uh, propose that no matter what people campaign about, no matter how much, uh, how many petitions there are, things won't change because there's one catch clause for all of this which protects the people that are, are in power and have access to these sorts of facilities to do monitoring and that's one phrase and it's in the interest of national security now that catch-all can justify just about everything used in conjunction with the t-word and they can just about pass anything they want regardless of any laws that come out about privacy and things and like I said before you know uh, when you look at the GCSHQ uh, case that was snooping by proxy um, so whatever laws we had in this country even if we had the strictest laws on privacy and that's no government body could ever intrude on somebody on an individual's you know private life it still wouldn't have made any difference because we did it by proxy we shared information with another country this doing is, it on our behalf. I, I wrote about it you know in, in Yorkshire do you know the hill in Yorkshire where they've been doing surveillance like this for even longer than GCHQ and I've known about it for a while because uh, a CIA uh, a veteran professor uh, what's his name is deceased deceased now but uh, his name was um, uh, Chalmers Johnson uh, he spoke about it for years how in Yorkshire there's basically this uh, outpost of or for the NSA and intercepting all the emails coming out of Europe and beyond so I've known about it I've written about it even before the NSA leaks came out years before and this has been taken for granted like if you don't encrypt the data your emails and if you think that they would have reasons to put you as a person of interest they will read your emails like literally some of them will read your emails and trying to see what you say to your family and that would cause induce self-censorship not because of doing something wrong but because they don't want to you know dig into my entire private life and what basically you have to to, to bear in mind uh, is that uh, as you you, you said the the public wants surveillance. I don't think anybody wants surveillance, no. not even for the neighbors. So I think it's a it's a very catchy thing to say. It's like a kind of a uh, you know a, a man bites dog type of soundbite, and 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 it will get your attention. But it's not actually true. The public doesn't want surveillance. Do you know who likes surveillance and who defends the NSA publicly? Bill Gates, for instance. Of course, it does. What is the Does he mind being surveilled? He knows it's. He's no. He's idolized. He's in power. His friends are in power. He's friends with Obama. He's friends with all those people on top. They're defending each other my against opinion, us. We're the enemy. Is it, you see, my opinion about the public's perception of CCTV on the whole. I'm not talking here now about intrusive CCTV, but I think that my opinion is the public thinks it wants CCTV, um, which is very different to wanting CCTV. The CCTV has been built up a uh, sort of legend in its own in its own time of being the ultimate deterrent for criminals. And like I said earlier on, we can ne you know nobody can ever produce stats for things that have been prevented as a result of CCTV being present. Burglar that went out, saw a camera, thought, no, I'm not going to burglar a house today. That can never be measured. It can never be put into a chart. And so the public will accept that because this can't be measured and because they haven't been burgled or there's been fewer burglaries in the area or maybe no burglaries in that particular area, then they'll accept that CCTV is this great, um, great device. Now, I must admit, my personal view, and I said this on my website many years ago, and I have to talk personally now, if my mother was walking home on a lonely, uh, on a darkened street um, by herself, I would feel more secure, rightly or wrongly, with a camera um, 
with a CCTV operator sitting in an office somewhere following her on camera. Now, whether that's right or wrong, whether that's me misinterpreting you know, how good CCTV cameras are, but I would say I'd feel better with that camera there than it not being there at all. Um, whether it could do any good, that's up for debate, but it would give me more reassurance having it than not having it. Um, that's my personal view. Um, it's uh, for you, free, you know. You paying no, for it? No, of course yeah. we are. And yeah. if you look on shops, you know, people say about the cameras in shops and stores and things, and um, it's very different in a store. Um, it's a condition of entry, and I've tried to explain this to many people who are against uh, cameras in stores. Once you walk through that door, um, the reason why they have all the signs on the door saying CCTV in operation in this store is because it's a condition of entry. Once you enter that store, you are knowingly entering a store with CCTV. If you don't like the fact that CCTV in the store, you don't go into it. Um, it's very similar to a passport control. When you go to an airport, you'll hand your passport and you get all the business done, and you accept that you have to walk through a scanner and be x-rayed and have your bags looked at. If you don't like that, you don't go in, because if you go into the airport and say, no, I'm not going to be scanned today, it's not going to let Will you they still do it? But, sorry? In London, do they still do it down there? In, uh, sorry? Uh, x-ray. Oh, well, I, mean, I was just giving they stopped a, I was, it in Manchester. Yeah. They stopped I, I, it in I Manchester. I was just giving an example. I don't, I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I was just giving an example. But you know, you know, your it's against are, the European. I think the European and his well, commissioner his, in Parliament. His, his, his another one for Here's another one for you as well, which is yeah. probably the best example of all condition of entry. When you're walking down the street, if you're stopped by another member of public and they ask you to turn out your pockets and search you because they think you've got a weapon on you. You can rightfully say no. I'm not going to do anything. Um, the citizens, uh, the, the citizens' power uh, powers that you have, or common law powers that you have, don't allow you to do that. However, if you enter a football ground, you're entering with a condition of entry, and that condition of entry says that a steward who is not um, a warranted officer or has any sort of warrant at all is allowed to search you and turn out your pockets and make sure you don't have a weapon because you've entered a, a premises with the strict you know, knowledge that there's a you know you can be searched by their stewards if you don't want to be searched you get chucked out or you're not allowed entry in the first place and that's why it's very different when you enter stores or enter football grounds or whatever um, and and people don't seem to realize this you know you can have a condition of entry in your house that says that yeah does it have to be close premise or for instance uh, here in the in manchester i think there are certain rules when you yeah. enter this place called so it can be like the so-called private properties they like to call it so places like springfields here in manchester which is like a kind of a precinct of banks and yeah. shops and stuff so so that kind of expands to everywhere and they can confuse you and they can trick you into thinking that you stand in a so-called public uh, so so-called private property or a private area and then have you uh, concede and, and it's trick you yeah. to it so. i mean it, it, it's very sh I, would, I would hope well i wouldn't hope I, I would say that there'll be very few places um where people will physically put hands on other people without the backing of law um because of the fact that in this day and age there's so many court cases so many people willing to take cases to court um it could be construed as assault um there's various facets of, of, of crime it could constitute if somebody's unlawfully uh, you know, sort of, uh, searched or roughed up by somebody who doesn't have the power in law. Um, conditions of entry are very restrictive as well. I've, I've got haste to add you, you can't, um, I wouldn't expect if you entered uh, John Lewis on a condition of entry that there would be any sort of uh, caveat in there that says people can you know, search intimately um, or anything like that. Um, so there is a, there is a, a limit on that uh, condition of entry in that uh, 
it would have to be have some sort of reasonableness. For example, CCTV cameras operating this store. We do prosecute shoplifters, or whatever they say. Um, obviously, they're not allowed to put them into toilets and things like that. And they do follow very strict rules, um, as I was saying earlier, with the camera um, and privacy and um, keeping it keeping it within certain sort of boundaries. Well, they don't have to put it in the toilets because people carry no. their camera inside the toilets. <laughs> and and very often these are just people's phones and they don't realize this thing can be remotely enabled. And I'm not joking, I'm serious. I mean, people carry phones and cameras to a lot of places that they shouldn't be in. Uh, and they don't think on, about it. I'll go on record now and say I don't believe there is a single store in the UK that would ever have a camera in the toilet. A store or a pub or anything like that. No, I, I mean yeah. uh, the intelligence services oh, yes, would have yeah. people carry, yeah, and they can remotely enable people's cameras, and we know how they do it now. Uh, and re I think I think it's been since since our last major show that it turned out that uh, indeed phones come with two operating systems. One operating system can take over. The other one, uh, several companies refuse to talk about it. They don't deny it, but they refuse to talk about it. And once the other operating systems takes over the main one, it can do just about anything. And this can be done by the tower. So as long as you're connected, you're not only being tracked, but the tracking, um, the tracking outposts or the antennas have the capability of sending signals to transmit from your phone as though it was just a you know, a bugging device. But again, well, yeah, I, I completely agree with the tracking the phones. And it's, a, it's a utility now or a technology which is available which people can be tracked in real time. They can find out how long they spend in McDonald's or how long they spent in the library or whatever. However, you know, these, these facilities to track have, again, been available for years. So, for example, your debit card is probably more, more revealing about your personality than your phone is. In terms of, oh, what you're talking about metadata. I'm not talking about metadata or so-called yeah. metadata, which probably actually tells. This reveals a lot more about you. The metadata is kind of like a processed uh, summary, a profile of who yeah, you talk I mean, to and how you talk. But 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 wait, let's let's clarify. When I say they take over your phone, I mean they listen to you constantly. It's not very bad for the battery of the phone, obviously, but they listen to your conversation in your the house. It's like having a microphone inside your house. Basically, we also know now that GCHQ was planning to take over the camera of the Kinect or the Xbox One. We also know that they listen to conversations in Xbox Live. That's conversations that are happening in textual forms. We know more about Skype. We know about Yahoo Chat. And when it comes to uh, surveillance inside people's homes, uh, we know about various other ways in which they completely take over devices and then turn them into uh, surveillance devices right inside your house. So any person who thought that was, you know, a movie plot or a, uh, you know, a very pessimistic view on the future, no, it's not a future. It's it's here, and uh, and they, they don't just use it against people or a threat, but they use it against. Uh, did you hear about uh, Julian Assange in the embassy? They found a bugging device inside the embassy. Yes, yeah, no, glad, no, yeah. No. It's quite interesting how it got there. How, however, however, what would just add sort of as a final point, is, and it sort of relates back to the, the um, point I made about conditions of entry. Um, you've agreed to this surveillance, Roy, and so have I, and so has everybody else who's listening to this. If you read, for example, let's look at the very basic level or the, the ground level, your ISP itself. Have a look in your terms and conditions.
I think you'll find on one of the points there, there's already a clause which you've signed digitally in that you've accepted the contract on the basis of this clause, that they will share data with associated bodies, um, government bodies, law enforcement, in the prevention and detection of crime. It's in every single ISP contract I've ever read, and we've already signed up to it. So really, look at it and be very sort of partial and neutral here, and just look at it as an outsider. People have already signed and agreed to it because the condition of entry to use your ISP, wherever it is, Sky, I'm, I'm, I'm currently on Sky, um, is already that they will share data or share your data with agencies in the prevention and detection of crime. There we are. So regardless of, you know, sort of the, um, the uh, ethical issues of opening up camera phones and opening up webcams or whatever, people have already agreed to it. They've walked through the doors of the football ground metaphorically and allowed Were they given a choice? No. There's the no choice, choice is it's, either it's, don't use it or use it. Yeah, it's, and, and it's and a real issue. Yeah, it's a real it's issue. Not, I mean, that's that's life itself. For example, if you come around my house and I say to you, right, um, I'm selling some apples off my tree. They're a pound an apple. You say to me, no, I don't want to mm -hmm. buy them. They're too expensive. Or you can pay a pound an apple. It's a condition of entry. It's a, it's a purchase. It's a whatever. But it's a contract that you've signed or agreed to because of your by nature of use. And it's something that I keep reiterating to people. You can argue about the. Uh, but having said that, sometimes the ISP don't keep up with the. I mean, currently the Open Rights Group in the UK, ORG, they uh, they're trying to ensure that there is uh, compliance and uh, conformance among the ISPs and, and with can't. laws that have been passed to Europe regarding uh, data protection. So, and, and so can't. there is the concern that the ISPs are not keeping up with what's the regulation. Uh, and, and, you know. and, and they can't, you see, Roy, because this is a problem. Say, for example, they were to remove this clause that says, you know, there would be, you know, shared data in prevention and detection of crime. And again, national security, interest in national security in the T word, people can get whatever they want. Um, if they didn't, uh, if they didn't have that clause there, it wouldn't matter because the, you know, any sort of government body can go to a court and get a warrant, very, very simply, and ask for this information. Now, the ISP then, when it's prevent presented with a court warrant, can either give over the information or they can be then liable for arrest and they commit the crime and the data is still taken anyway. People fail to grasp that it's if this data will never ever, you will never have your privacy and you will never be private. Obviously if you engage in encrypting your data that's a, that's a different matter and I wouldn't like to say about the different uh, strengths as it were of the encryption uh, sub packages out there because I don't know, I've never personally used encryption before. Um, but there's always a way to get this data. Everybody it, uses encryption to some degree. Well, yeah. Uh, if you do I'm, financial transactions. I'm, I'm, yeah, I, but I'm talking about the people who intentionally will use uh, PGP as one that comes to mind. I have... Uh, uh, that, that, that's, that's encryption for one specific protocol. It's yeah. email transmission. Yeah. Uh, um, but people use... If, if you've paid online, if you've accessed your BT bill online or something, you're using encryption. Whether it's good encryption or whether the NSA has got back door to it, it's a different... Yeah. Kind of question. Well, you, you take it that it's encryption. Um, I mean, most people will take it on good faith that when they put their password into whatever site they're getting into, that yeah, it's encrypted in some way to prevent other people from using it. The site says it is, um, and when you enter your card details to make a purchase, it says it's secure. But do do does the average user know that it's secure? No, they just take it on good faith. Um, it may well be secure, and it may well be you know sort of watertight. But again, like I say, the, the mainstream consumer doesn't have the interest or the understanding. 
to follow these issues properly. One one thing I can just say, just remind me very quickly. I saw something very interesting recently, and I can't remember where I, where I saw it, but it was it was basically from it was, it was somebody in government who was talking about encrypting of data and privacy and things like that, and he implies that by encrypting your data and making attempts to um, to protect your privacy, you would have the eye of suspicion um, sort of pointed at you because you were the one using uh, encryption and oh what's he up to he must have something to hide um, and I thought that was very interesting because obviously it means that now they've got a concern that people are starting to care about the privacy uh, the NSA keeps uh, encrypted encrypted messages in particular you would think they'll throw them away because they mm. cannot decrypt them but it's quite the opposite if you encrypt your data they will keep it they will keep it for longer in case that one they will have the computing power to do that, maybe a quantum computer, or two, they will find a flaw that will allow them to then decrypt the messages. Uh, so basically, you are flagging yourself yeah. more so, they, but it doesn't necessarily mean they can read what you wrote. I personally think, so, I, I personally think for the UK, in any case, um, uh, as far as uh, my personal opinion of the UK is that was a, a scare tactic because uh, the government is concerned that people would start wanting their privacy, which is not an unreasonable thing to want. I mean, I, I said I wouldn't bother with encryption. It's it's not really an issue for me. I'm not going to encrypt my files or anything like that or put files onto Google Drive that are encrypted with PGP or whatever. Um, what I would say was it, it, it seemed more of a scare tactic. Um, and, and it's, it's a very sad state of affairs that... Um, people would have to feel that if they do want encryption, there might be genuine reasons as well. For example, my book, if I had copyright concerns that somebody was going to steal my great idea, and I put great in quotes, then I might um, encrypt my, uh, my my book in its current format and put it on a Google Drive. There's nothing untoward in that book. It purely is the fact that I don't want somebody stealing it. I have a concern. But then... No, no one can steal it, don't worry. Unless they can delete nah. it. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. It's just an example. But if I could just say, there's something very um, worrying starting to happen now, and I, I don't know a lot about this. I've been trying to find some more information on it by searching it, but there's very, very little detail. It seems that now there's a law, um, and I'm not sure what it come, which act it comes under, but it appears that not supplying a password for an encrypted file or similar is an offence in some shape or form. Uh, where? Um, the now, question is where? There was a case... Like, I, in, in, in the States? Or in, no, in, in the UK. UK. In the UK. Um, it came as a result of, I believe, a SOPPA uh, arrest that came, was on television. A USB, um, yeah, a guy who had his USB key. Yeah, and I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think he refused it. to give his password, mm -hmm. and then because of that, um, which I beg his belief is he'd forgotten the password, which we all do. Um, but he, he refused to give his password, and there was some other charge levied against him. I mean, this was what I read. Um, I don't know this. I don't know any more than that. So I was sort of. Uh, um, I think stumped. I think it's he's allowed to refuse. Well, wait, the, okay. Uh, the law in the UK is different from the US. Usually they eventually converge, but 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 currently it's different. It depends on the states as well. Which state? As well, there is a, 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 there is a bunch of cases in the states. It also, I think, depends on the on the allegations that that's leveled against you, and if they have other evidence. Uh, the other thing they try and do is to crack the encryption or to figure out the headers of some of the files so that they have a reasonable suspicion to then say, "Oh, look, we can see that the file names they look a bit suspicious." Uh, However, I think that the, this 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 idea that they should have access to all the data uh, and encryption 
misses the point that sometimes they go to the supplier uh, in the case of Lovebit they would go to the person transmitting your mail and decrypting it for you and they would then force them to give the SSL keys or the encryption keys so they can read your email so there is also the man in the middle can you remember this case I'm talking about I mean it was it was about a year ago I think um, well in the UK yeah, I'm, I'm sure. recently, so I think it's yeah. still ongoing. To be honest, oh, is it? Yeah, because I, I, I just can't find any more information on it. Because I was very interested. Obviously, as you know, I've, I have a little bit of a, a law background. Yeah, I, I, I posted <laughs> at least a couple of links to it in the Intech Rights at some stage, but I think uh, he, I don't don't think he was. Uh, the, the major scandal was just the fact that they wanted to give the password. I don't mm. know if he was arrested for something else. There might be some unruly conduct of the result, you know, resulting at the scene, you know, him cursing at a cop, and then the cop is saying, "Oh, that's horrible! I'm just going to show you. I'll find something against you," and and they find something, and they maybe make something up. Of course, I have a, I have a friend who works in the Arundel Centre and he works in security, and now they have this new thing where, as they walk, instead of having like a nice tie or something, they've got like a camera sticking at you, and it says something along the lines of "Smile, you're being watched." Of course, he doesn't choose to wear it but his bosses have a monopoly on the footage of course he cannot go there and this the way they sell it to him is like wear this it will protect you or it will support you and whatever you know it's obviously not supporting the public whoever controls the camera decides what evidence to divulge uh, and you probably maybe with a freedom of information request if you're very legally savvy uh, maybe you'd be able to get the footage and request it by law I, I hereby require that you give me the footage and they might give it to you uh, there's an, an interesting footage in in, in Texas uh, coming out in, in in becoming viral on YouTube of a guy who really tried hard to get the footage from the police uh, of an incident that happened where the police was overstepping its 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 uh, its authority. Uh, but the, the the fact of the matter is, with all of these cases where you have a camera, when you have footage, you have to remember who's got access to it, because that's the person who's in power. That's the person really has the plot and can provide proof and deny proof if if he or she doesn't feel like giving it. You know? And GCHQ is a great example of a monopoly on the data. They know everything about everyone. They know who you talk to, they know what you talk about, they can listen to you, they can do anything. But you have no access to this data, you have no access, it's not a backup of your data. It's just something that can always be leveled and used against every potential politician, every potential dissident, every protest organizer, and they'll find something on you. It's not just copyright infringement claims, it'll be something more severe, so they can put some big headline in the news that will destroy your reputation, and they do that. They leak it to the media. This is why it's such a big deal that they have the uh, Angela Merkel's file, and they refuse now to give it to her, they just say, just trust us, we stop spying on you now. Uh, but we're not going to show you your dossier, basically. Uh, there were scandals before, even in the days of WikiLeaks, when they divulged the, the data showing that they were spying on Argentinian leaders and, and using it to smear them and to to basically go into the, the private lives of people. Uh, Completely for political reasons, but nothing to do with security. I'm surprised Ms. Merkel, but in the example you just gave, um, I mean, it is a, a pretty pointless exercise. If she requests data yeah, that they collected on her, I mean, these people are willing to you know, intrude on yours, mine, and her, in this case, privacy. They're willing to overstep the mark as what's classed as acceptable and decent in terms of uh, intrusion. 
Um, so what's to say when they receive that the Freedom of Information request to give the dossier over, that is only going to be partially complete? I mean, who is watching them? Because there is nobody higher than them who watches uh, those type of people. And this is a problem we've got. And I wish I could remember who who made the comment, who watches the watchers, um, or something similar like that, because it's, it's very, very true. They are at the top peer or top tier of the you know, surveillance, and there's nobody that they account to. So, what about their actions? And that's and, and now there is a big debate in the states over this, but actually in a, in, in the context of torture. Mm. Now, I should mention now there is a new report. I think it's a Sunday type report, a major um, one of those you know big scandals revealed on Sunday, uh, and it's uh, complicity of Britain in the torture by the CIA in a remote island somewhere. So you know that the CIA has got this thing. It's called black sites torture sites in different countries such as Poland, I think Lithuania, we know about Lithuania, and now one of, I suppose it's one of the uh, islands colonized by the UK, uh, is being used also as one of those sites. And uh, and, and, and the point is, uh, uh, the CIA is now under a lot of attack for torture, and, and the major issue is when the Senate in the US is accusing the CIA of overstepping their rights, their authority, whatever, in doing torture, which doesn't bring any real benefit and doesn't produce any real, you know, evidence. Torture is very good to intimidate people or to punish people. It's not very good at producing evidence because people just say whatever it takes to stop the suffering. So it's not, it's just not the right tool for extracting evidence. And uh, and, and now that the Senate says that the CIA uh, is you know, uh, showing that the CIA is completely corrupt, the CIA is retaliating specifically against the group and the team or the office, whatever, of Diana Feinstein, who's a thing is senator in California. And and she comes out complaining that they're trying to destroy her because she's willing to uh, tell the public what they're doing. And this is a great example of not in the case of surveillance, but human rights violations where the CIA is not accountable to anyone, and if the Senate tries to hold them accountable, then Senate is uh, suffering retribution, very serious, uh, scary uh, steps. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, uh, for, I think she's former now uh, spokesman for the White House, she says openly, like, we the politicians were afraid of the CIA, we, we are literally afraid of them. So who's in charge now? And here in the UK, GCHQ through the United States spies and British politicians. So, what, what, if you were a British politician, would you really be willing to take on the GCHQ knowing that they got everything about you? And only the people themselves, they know what they have to hide. They know every person's got something to hide or something that he, would, he or she would rather not be public. Uh, something that can be, uh, at the very least, somewhat harmful to the career. So, they know that these people have got a lot of power. So, of course, they're not going to be challenged by, especially here in the UK, I think surveillance, the criticism against surveillance has been very weak compared to some of the groups that you see in the States that really go out publicly against it. Well, I've not seen any protest here. What I'm going to suggest now um, is that this uh, discussion about privacy and GCHQ and all the other facets of that has uh, taken up most of the show. Uh -huh. um, I have an appointment. Um, and I suggest we split this into two, uh, carry this on, uh, maybe tomorrow or Tuesday. Okay. Bye, Troy. Um, 
it's been very very interesting it's been a great return for me i must say because like i say after being out for a year it's, uh, i thought i'd be a, a little rusty and uh, it wouldn't feel as uh, as normal as it was when myself and roy were doing it every couple of days um it's been an absolute pleasure to do it again um so what i suggest we uh i go off and watch my uh, portland timbers hopefully win um you go off and um do kindly do all the encoding and the hard work which i hasten to add to people listening roy does all the uh the hard work to this um i'll just talk a bit on the microphone give you the pleasure of my dulcet tones and then uh leave it to roy to get up onto the web so thank you very much roy and we continue this either um tomorrow or tuesday depending on who is uh what your timetable is like. Yeah, so hopefully we will do it on a regular basis. Yes. Um, the, the one thing I said we should cover is this, this whole issue of surveillance has less been happening and we've covered quite a few things today and uh, we didn't really touch any of the uh, GNU Linux free software things quite as much as we could have but we, we can leave it for the next shows and uh, and try to do a kind of a roundup of the past few months or year worth of news so uh, yeah Right, well, thank you everybody uh, for listening. Um, I know it's, uh, it's it's probably been a while uh, that you've heard me, probably if you listen to this audio cast for any period of time. So for the people that have picked up uh, recently in his audio cast, I apologise you've had to suffer my uh, my tones as well. Um, look forward to downloading it again. Thank you very much, Roy, for having me back. And um, we'll speak again uh, in the next couple of days and hopefully have another episode released. It's Friday get sauce. I fought the troll and the troll lost. I fought the troll and the troll lost. He tried to boss me and was outbossed. I fought the troll and the troll lost. I fought the troll and the troll lost. Underneath his creeper bridge, hoping goats will cross. Quoting Ashcroft and Tom Ridge, I fought the troll and the Troll lost, I fought the troll and the troll lost. He's even dumber than Mickey Cost. I fought the troll and the troll lost. I fought the troll and the troll lost. Wouldn't last two minutes with David Frost. I fought the troll and the troll lost. I fought the troll and the troll lost. His worldview sounds like pro wrestling, although not as nuanced. Behind his eyes, the wind's whistling. I fought the troll and the troll lost. I fought the troll and the troll lost. I kicked him off a Pentagon and Atrios. I fought the troll and the troll lost. I fought the troll and the troll lost. He's permanently banned from daily cost. I fought the troll and the troll lost. I fought the troll and the troll lost. And in November, W, and all his thugs will toss. We'll try to fix America. I fought the troll and the troll lost. I fought the troll and the troll lost. And all you trolls out there trying to aggravate everyone with your stupidity, illogic, and blind, unthinking devotion to the Bush regime, this section is especially for you. 
I'm not going to name any of you out loud, not wanting to give you even the slightest possible notoriety, but as you sink under the weight of your own asininity into an intellectual La Brea tar pit, you can imagine that I sing your nom de guerre right now and bask in a stolen fame you don't deserve. <laughs>